Hi, folks. Keith Jones for Front Row Knowles. We appreciate your listening to our podcasts and all the things that uh, go into what we do in terms of watching Florida State Athletics. But we would remind you that part of Florida State Athletics is certainly Seminole Boosters. Uh, athletics can't do what they do without the support of you and without the support of Seminole Boosters. So we encourage you, if you're not already a member, consider joining Seminole Boosters. If you are a member, consider increasing your participation. Without Seminole Boosters, Florida State Athletics is going to be run of the mill. With Seminole Boosters, Florida State can work their way towards elite. And oh, by the way, they're doing pretty good on the football field. They're doing pretty good on the pitch for soccer. Uh, and they're uh, getting ready to do good on both the men and women's side on the hardwood. Join Seminole Boosters, support Seminole Boosters, and continue to support Front Row Knowles. Go Knowles! Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. It is a, it's a big day, KJ. It is a big day because we're only five days left to shop for that special person in your life. So I hope you've taken care of business already. Well, that part's taken care of, but but we got a pretty big day coming up today with, with the uh, early signing period, which I, I don't know why we call it early anymore. Uh, it, it is before February as we used to have it, but everybody focuses on it. You've got the transfer portal around it. Is it even Christmas? Maybe it's some other holiday we need to make it akin to. Well, you and I uh, rant about this every year. Uh, I begin to sound more and more like a curmudgeon. been spending too much time with you. It still feels weird to me, though, that signing day here is a week before. And, and you know what? It, it's lost luster to me, too, because it, when it was February, it felt like there were more kids who were undecided. And now, and maybe it's not the timing. Maybe it's just where we are today. Now everybody's committed except committed doesn't really mean anything, except I'm still going to have a press conference on signing day and I'm still going to pull out a hat and it might be who I was committed to, or it might not be. Um, the only people that have gained from the early signing period are the hat manufacturers because they still got to buy. Maybe they get given, I don't know, but they still got to buy two or three or four hats. Somebody's got to provide two or three, four hats. So they've got some ability to, to have that press conference and then delay and pause and, try to be the, the Corso of, uh, of Saturday mornings when they actually pull the hat out and put it on. For our listeners' sake, we're going to talk with Charles Fishbein uh, from Elite Recruiting Services, Scouting Services, and uh, has been with the Osceola, helps with their recruiting coverage, and really really plugged in. He'll join us the next two segments. He knows of what he speaks. Uh, Keith and I, as, as most of you know at this point, we generally record the show on Tuesday night. And so as you're listening, if you're listening live Wednesday in the lunch hour, there's a couple of big fish out there. Uh, not Charles Fishbein, but other big fish out there may or may not sign with Florida State. And obviously, we can't address that because we're putting this in the can. But even uh, or regardless of what happens with those guys, Keith, this is going to be a, a top five class. It, it's far and away the best high school class that Mike Norvell and his staff have brought in. And it took a little bit of time, but uh, it's a credit to him. It's a credit to his staff. And it's it, it's also testimony to what they've done on the field because they have uh, proof of a, a winning, successful product now. The more you study the the ins and outs and the X's and O's and, and things like recruiting and development uh, and, you know, kids that are or are not in trouble, I think the more impressed you get with Coach Norvell's staff. 
you know, Mike, Mike will be the first to tell you that the head coach gets all the glory when he doesn't deserve it. And he gets all the blame when it's not always his fault. Uh, but one of the things coach Bowden always did uh, is have a, a, a solid staff that, that takes care of all, of all the X's and O's and, and can coach, can develop and can recruit. And I think we can all agree that this staff that coach Norvell has put together, uh, they can coach, they can develop, and, and we're going to see that they can recruit. Now, unlike staffs in the past where you were recruiting only high school kids, okay, this staff has had to adopt uh, and change and be flexible enough to handle the transfer portal. I just can't imagine how difficult that chore is. And I personally think something's got to change. I just don't think you can have the portal overlapping the early signing period the way it is right now. No, I, I think the high school period's got to move. You know, when the portal first opened, it was open. Wasn't it open 24-7-365? Yeah, it was open least, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Now they at least have a period right now, but before January in the spring semester, and then they got a period right after the spring if you want to transfer in the summer. Uh, but I, I agree they need to do something with high school. You know, it's interesting, the, the, the message from the staff, and it was out of necessity because when they got here, it was COVID. They didn't have the inroads in, in Florida, or especially South Florida. But their message really resonated more, I think, with the 20 and 21-year-olds, which are the kids in the transfer portal, because the message is not sugarcoating anything. The message is work. And, and even if they were getting a guy who was highly touted out of high school and got pampered and got whatever, if he was in the transfer portal, he wasn't real happy where he was, probably because he wasn't getting the playing time he wanted. And so it's it's like a a second chance for them. And uh, and they don't take everybody. I mean, they do a nice job of assessing who's going to fit in, but they deserve a lot of credit for that. And now, now that's filtered down to the high school ranks, too, because the message is the same there. There might be a little more leeway, but the message is the same. With all the NIL money, and, and we don't see that disclosed, so we can only surmise from stories we hear or um, – conversations that allegedly took place uh, as well as, you know, five-star kids, you know, got to have five-star kids Well, you got to remember a five-star kid might not know how to work because they've been doing it on physical talent. A five-star kid might not be able to handle tough coaching and rejection and adversity because they haven't experienced it. And so the message about the work and you're, you're only going to get what you work for, uh, is a message that they need to hear. Some of them will ignore it. But when it comes to the to the four and five stars that say, I want to come and play for Florida State, there'll be no misunderstanding about the effort. And when it comes to the transfer portal kids, they're, as you've mentioned, they've been told from the get-go. All right, you know what that is. We do it differently here. Don't come here unless you're willing to do it. Everything you just talked about is wrapped up in one singular position in Florida State's uh, success in the transfer portal, and that's defensive end. Right. Because they've gone from Jermaine Johnson to Jared Verse, who Jared Verse was not the five-star. He started at Albany. Now they've got the highly touted kid in Marvin Jones, uh, you know, junior who's in here and was highly touted. But uh, so he, he's got big shoes to fill because the expectation is you just go get a DN in the portal and he's going to be a first-round pick. I mean, that's, that's where FSU has put that bar. Wasn't there some little kid in there named Josh somewhere? Didn't he fit in there somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, there's been some good ones. Verse, Verse by the way, uh, he finishes his FSU career with 13 sacks and 21 tackles for loss, Keith, which, candidly, that was like a season for Bernard Wilson and Peter Bolware, right? But it was two years for Verse, and and I just looked it up. He's not in the top 20 for anything. He didn't play here long enough. 
but man, he was very dominant his position. I, I and I liked I liked his motor. I know he talked a lot, but it was kind of friendly fodder, not mean, nasty, best I could tell. He just had fun playing the game. He is to me. Um, you can talk about Corey Simon. Uh, you can all the way go go all the way back to Brad Johnson. Uh, you know, uh, even kids like Ken Lanier that I played with, uh, Bobby Butler. Those are kids that that didn't get all the notoriety that some other kids did. They they were all Americans, but they weren't on the top of everybody's list. Point I'm making, and, and you can't convince an 18 or a 19 or 20 year old kid of this enough. You know, playing time is important. I get that. But the NFL will find you if you're good. And 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 verse didn't put up the numbers. And so, therefore, he didn't have all the attention on him this year as he did last year, because last year he was a breakout kid. Nothing was expected of him. And, oh, wait a minute, here's he's doing all this. So if you just compare the numbers, you might even say this was a lesser year for verse. But if you look at the tape, like the NFL looks at the tape, he might not have numbers, but he improved his draft status because of that motor and his work ethic. And the little things that the NFL will see and will find and will reward that have nothing to do with the statistics. Well, and the numbers ended up being pretty close to last year by the time he finished up. But uh, we wish him the best. All right, we got to take a break. Come back, talk more recruiting. It is signing day. Uh, Charles Fishbein jo joins us uh, right after this. Our conversation with Fish is coming up on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. And uh, it is signing day. Still seems weird that it's in December right before Christmas, but it is what it is. And We've got an expert to join us to talk about it as we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to the man known as Fish, Charles Fishbein, who's been in this recruiting game for a number of years and uh, works with our good friends at the Osceola uh, out of South Florida. Fish, how are you, sir? Doing great. I appreciate you guys having me back on. Yeah, we we appreciate your expertise. And before we talk about some of the guys that, that Florida State's going to sign, I'm just curious, now that we're a few years into this early signing period in December and bigger picture Keith and I have talked about it you know it's like between the playoffs and NIL there's there's less enthusiasm for bowl games and it just feels like even even signing day for high school kids is getting dwarfed a little bit by the transfer portal what's what's your thought as somebody who's in it about where it sits right now and if it should move back to I know there's still one in February or move up or just kind of the way it's evolved yeah I I think college football needs to take uh, some of like the NFL's pattern of how to spread things out and keep the interest over 12 months, even in the off season, the NFL does such a great job of placing their combine, placing their draft, placing free agency that there's interest throughout the whole year where college football's like push it all together and kind of mushed it. And it's not, it's hurting. I believe all the schools. I just think you get coaches that come in now, they get fired. You hire a new staff. They got to go out and recruit the portal. They got to recruit their own players. They got to now go and find out who they're going to take uh, from the high school ranks. So I think they need to spread the calendar out a little more. I think from an interest, from a fan standpoint, they'd appreciate it. And I think the college coaches would really appreciate it. Fish, I think from a minimum, uh, there's, a, there's a growing voice 
if, if you believe in such a thing, that at least let's take the, the, the transfer portal and the early signing period and not let them overlap somehow. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I you have to do it. It's just you're asking these guys to do so many uh, multitask to a level. I don't think you can do it. You're you're basically diluting what your strengths are. You know, I've always said, you know, you want to when I, the way that I run my business, I wouldn't want to be having everything all at once and having all these issues. I, I just think if they spread it out, they'll give these coaches more time to de- decompress. And and like I said. You have these coaches coming and leaving. You look at University of Florida right now. They don't even have a D-line coach. They fired him. Uh, how do you recruit that position group if you don't have somebody hired? And I just think these coaches have too much on their plate right now. Well, given it, it feels like, and then we'll move on to specifics, Fish, that it feels like the transfer portal sort of has to stay where it is right now as kids try to get into their new school in time for the spring semester. So it feels like the high school signing is what could move. Do you have an opinion on whether we should go back to just February is where it is or go back to August so kids can sign and enjoy their senior year? Yeah, I, 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 if you're going to have two signing periods, you should put one in August, let those kids that are committed to those schools uh, get locked down so the co- colleges don't really have to worry about that. They can focus on a handful of guys. And then it also helps them from the transfer portal so they can spend time their time more wisely instead of having it so condensed. And then you move the other signing day back to February. It, you know, these schools now get back into school. It gives them time to re-evaluate where they're at. You can see where you're at from the transfer portal. If you have the guys in the transfer portal deciding in December, now you know what you hit it on, missed on. And if these kids are smart, the high school kids, and, you, and you're and you a D-end or an offensive tackle, and you want to get more NIL money, I'd recommend you stick it out till February because if you're one of – one guy in 10 schools need a left tackle and you're that one tackle, I think your value would go way up. Fish, we, we talk all the time about how the college game has changed. Uh, and, and we've talked about the fact that Coach Norvell and his staff got a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of uh, the transfer portal. And everybody was real worried, extremely frustrated in Coach Norvell and his staff's ability to recruit high school seniors. My, how that has changed over the last little while. Yeah. Hey, listen, I was one of those guys that I was concerned because he he didn't have Florida ties. Um, One thing about Florida coaches, it's about loyalty and trust. And these guys, you can't just go in at one time and and, and land a kid. You got to kind of take maybe a lesser kid, get their trust. All of a sudden you build that up and two or three years down the road. But you know how it is now. I think Florida State's fan base and boosters are a little different than these other schools. They gave Norvell the chance to develop those relationships. And I think that's the one thing that makes, I've talked to other people about this, that makes FSU jobs so good is they give you a chance to, to go through those growing pains. You look at like these other programs. I see these guys after one or two years, everybody wants to fire everybody. If they don't have a good season after year one or two, how would have Bobby or, you know, you look at uh, the coach at Virginia tech. I think it took him five, six years to build Virginia tech Beamer those days are long gone. The, the, everybody wants it now, and it's just not realistic. There's one you there, you'll have the outliers where there's one or two guys that win in year one or two, but that's very rare. You guys know, especially now, where you could have your whole roster flipped over uh, in one season. That that's not realistic. 
Well, there, there's good evidence at Florida State that you at least need to give a guy his fourth year because Bobby's fourth year, the team went unbeaten in the regular season. KJ was on that team. And Jimbo's fourth year, they went unbeaten. And now Norville's fourth year, they've gone unbeaten. So at the very least, I think Florida State's got that recipe out there. Um, let's dive in here. I'm looking at, at this list of recruits. And for our listeners' sake, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so we're not going to dive into some of the question marks that are out there. But, you know, I'm just looking and, and, and looking at South Florida kids, and that was one of the big concerns. And I know Patrick Sertan's on the staff now, but I see, you know, you got a linebacker and a kicker from Delray Beach. You got Lawrence McCoy, who's from Miami in there. Jamari Flagg is from Miami. I mean, there's there's five or six South Florida kids there, and that's without one, you know, Wes Palmer and, and Ricky Knight. Are you are you feeling the inroads down there when you talk to the local coaches in South Florida about what FSU's been able to do? Yeah, you know, the one thing that he did when he first got there, Norvell, he started to have these socials in Dave Broward on Palm Beach where he kind of got to meet these coaches before. And I think that really helped him. Uh, you know, they're like, hey, listen, they got to meet them one-on-one. They got to spend time with these coaches and understand that, hey, listen, Florida State or any program is not going to really win unless they have kids from South Florida. It's just, if you go look, I don't care if it's Alabama and you've, they've had Amari Cooper and Jerry Judy and all these guys you're not going to win without these South Florida kids. So it's a trust factor and they built that up. And it's also he, everything he's promised as a coach and you know how these coaches are, they all promise a lot. And a lot of them don't deliver. He delivered. They won. He he put a very exciting product on the field. Uh, their kids don't get in trouble. Uh, they're, they're graduating. He's doing all the right things uh, that these high school coaches want to hear. And once you've delivered on those promises, those coaches start to trust that you're going to take care of those kids. Because at the end of the day, even though it's it's becoming more of a business college sports, these kids are still kids and they need to be developed. So once they get in the real world, because not all of them are going to play in the NFL, they're learning now how to, you know, how, it's silly. I remember one guy saying, I didn't know how to write a check or have a uh, checking account or uh, dealing with uh, taxes and all this. So these kids have to learn a lot now because they're getting so much money. Um, it's very important that you also recruit the right kid and you're able to trust these coaches. Fish, what group would you say Florida State's going to do the best with? What segment, if if everything goes per the commitments, they get one or two uh, that that make their mind up uh, on on Wednesday, what, what segment would you say from a high school recruiting standpoint is Florida State's best segment um, that Norvell's brought in right now this year? I think you could argue that the defensive backfield um, is probably one of the best. I've, I've gone back at 20 years of Florida State recruiting, and if this class stays together tomorrow, uh, you're talking one of the best or maybe the best on-paper class they've ever signed. And that, you know, you think of some of the great defensive backs that have played, but if you look, they've got every position field uh, filled, whether, you know, you brought up Ricky Knight, and Bo- Ricky Knight but before he's more of a slot corner, you have a KJ Bolden who can play uh, either safety or corner. You got a guy like uh, Jamari Howard, who's another guy that's physical, but he likes to come up and play the run. We saw him last week in the state title game. He was very important helping stop the run game. You saw him in on about six or seven tackles. So, you know, there's very few DBs that really like to come up and tackle somebody. And he did over and over and over. So you could put him on uh, the field right away at Florida state. And I think he can make an impact. Who's the most impressive of the the, the game? The, the guys you mentioned there, of course, uh, Charles Lester, Kai Bates, two other guys, uh, defensive backs in the class as well. I, I think the best athlete is KJ Bolden. Um, Lester and Jamari are going to be more uh, probably uh, how you know what do you call it? Uh, Charles Lester, the Howard kid, reminds me a little bit of Xavier Rhodes when he played at Florida State. Very physical, come up. 
He could play press, play off coverage. His ability to redirect and not get lost in coverage is very impressive. I got a chance, like I said last week, to watch him in the state title game. These guys all have the same traits. You're not seeing anybody really under six feet that they're bringing in. These guys are all big, long, athletic DBs. And I think a lot of that, I know Randy is, that's always been a big deal with Randy Shannon, is that he wants bigger, more physical corners. Because when you start to play guys, whether it's Clemson, you play a Miami, you play any of these SEC teams, they have six, three receivers. You want guys that physically can handle matching up against them. And these guys all fit that mold. Fish, we always talk about the offensive and defensive lines and the the the, the old school, the book said, uh, you really can't expect one of these freshmen to come in and play because they're not developed. Um, what, what's your take on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball for these newcomers for Florida State? Yeah, I, I think wide receiver, um, corners, uh, DBs, like I said, I think those guys, very good class. A lot of these guys come in and play right away. I think offensive and defensive line, you know how that is. I mean, there's guys that are five-star offensive linemen that can't play right away because of physicality. You're, a lot of these guys are going against kids that are probably D2, D3 kids when they play in high school uh, across from them, and they're just beating them up and bullying them. Now they have the physical talent, but being able to play right away, there's very few of those guys uh, that can do that, especially in this class. Along with uh, Charles Fishpine Fish from uh, the Osceola and Elite Recruiting Services. Tell you what, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, talk about some of the other big names that are in this class here on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back. Diving into recruiting here on signing day with uh, Charles Fishbine. And uh, Fish, this not a high school kid, but... Uh, a South Florida kid, uh, Marvin Jones, uh, Jr., the, the, the name in the transfer portal for Florida State. I'm sure you saw him play at, uh, at the high school level. Uh, uh, has been at Georgia a couple years. Obviously, he's done a lot of winning between his high school success and what Georgia's done the last two years. What is FSU getting in, in uh, Marvin? Well, I, I think you get a very good athlete. Here's a guy that's big, long, athletic, typical South Florida kid that can run. Um, he's got a lot of speed. The one thing I remember in high school, I remember them playing Miami Central. There was a backside play that he went all the way down the field, I mean, down the uh, line of scrimmage, and then cut, cut up the field and chased the running back from uh, behind, sacked or tackled him and caused a fumble. So you saw his athletic ability, his ability not to quit, play with a lot of passion. I think Florida State needs to get that back. A lot of these kids, they get to college, they got to almost be re-recruited because they're so – they're so used to being the guy and then they get now these kids want to just transfer right away. He really hasn't had the chance to really do it. He started to play a little more at the end at, at Georgia. So FSU's got getting a kid that got all that coaching and developed at Georgia. So hopefully that guy that we expected out of high school, Florida state gets next year. Everybody loves the quarterbacks fish. Everybody loves the quarterbacks. Um, from the high school level, what's Florida State got in line? And to the degree that you might have some insight, uh, everybody's talking about DJ and the other kid in the portal maybe coming to Florida State. What, what's the QB position look like uh, in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think, I think DJ is going to be the guy that uh, Florida State brings in. I, you know, I watched a lot of his film the last couple of weeks. 
And a lot of the same thing Jordan Travis did at Florida State is what DJ can do. But he's a bigger, I mean, he's 6'5", 250 pounds. He kind of reminds me of Dante Culpepper. He's got that big arm. He can push the ball down the field. I think he gives Florida State also the ability with Mike to push the ball outside the hash marks. You know, Jordan uh, wasn't, it's not that he couldn't do it, but that's not really was his strength. And I think DJ, I watched a lot of his film, that they're going to be able to push those big receivers down the field, whether it's um, Hakeem Williams or if they do get Jeremiah Smith tomorrow, those guys that he could push the ball down the field. He has that ability to throw it 50, 60 yards down the field and get those big plays. And Florida State under Norvell, I believe they're like one of the top five with in the country every year with plays over 20 yards. DJ's going to be able to produce that. Um, the quarterbacks, as far as what FSU has on their roster, I think we've seen a little bit. Um, you've seen what Brock Glenn can do. I think he's a developmental kid. I, 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 guys like him have the talent, but they really shouldn't be, be playing uh, until two years in the system. Uh, it's a developmental thing. Luke Cromanhawk, the kid that they're getting from Georgia, has all the physical tools, but it's a big step up from playing Savannah <laughs> in Savannah and going up and playing a Wake Forest or Duke or any of these Division One schools. They all have D1 talent. They're playing at the high school level. They're not playing against D1 corners and uh, all the time. So there's a jump. I think he has all the physical talent, but it's, he's got to be patient. He's going to have to, you know, sit out this year, maybe play, play in four games, but understand that, listen, you're going to have to be patient at some point and just not jump in the portal if you don't start as a freshman. I know all these kids want to uh, play right away, but the you look at the history of Florida State, even when Bobby was there, it was that second or third year in the system that they really took off those guys because they played in blowouts. They got experience. You don't want to be putting a kid out there in the ACC title game like Florida State had to do with no experience like that. It's just not fair to the kid, and it's not fair to everybody else in the offense. Given what you just said, and I know the answer is going to be, well, we'll see next year, right? But if Florida State gets somebody in the portal, which it appears they're going to, it's sort of a one-year stopgap. Are Cromanhawk or Brock Glenn going to be ready to take the reins in 25, or is it going to be another situation no, I, where FSU's back in the portal? I think that's why they're taking a kid with one year and not going after us. You know, like Dante Moore was uh, the kid from UCLA. He was a five-star kid. They're not going after these guys that are five-star kids that have multi-years because they believe that Brock Glenn – uh, can get it done in one more year. Listen, he gets one more year in the spring. Croman Hawk gets a year in the spring and then also gets one year and you can develop. They need playing time on the field. And this year, Florida State, what's crazy is Florida State blew a lot of teams out this year, but it was in the second half. If they had had some of those performances in the first half, Glenn and um, and Tate probably could have got that experience they needed. That's how a lot, you look at the history of Florida State, all the guys that have played got those second half blowouts. They got 15, 20, 30 plays to experience. So when it was time for them to start, yeah, they were really first time starters, but that experience of seeing real live uh, bullets on the field is totally different than seeing it in practice. I mean, we hear the reports. I've heard the reports in practice, how great Brock Glenn looks. Listen, it's a lot different when you're playing in a real game and guys are rushing you and trying to kill you uh, <laughs> than than it is to play in a practice or a scrimmage. He he missed half the year too, you know, or, or yeah. five or six weeks in the middle. There was a lot of praise for him in August, and then he got set back. That didn't help. Go ahead, TJ. 
I was just going to say, uh, for our listeners that may not be aware, and, and maybe you can catch up the old man too, Fish, um, are, are the number of kids you can sign out of high school still fixed, or is it variable based on the portal? Where do we sit uh, as we look at this signing squad in terms of numbers? The only number that matters is 85. You The, the numbers, you can sign as many as you want in a class okay. now. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, you're probably going to sign most schools aren't going to sign 25. They'll probably sign about 18 to 20 and then leave a lot of the spots to the portal kids. Uh, but the reality is, um, you know, it, it's the numbers are really, they're flexible. You're not going to see um, numbers that are stuck to certain things, you know, so. How much you've been in this a couple of decades, uh, Fish, how much more, I guess accurate's the word. Do you feel the recruiting rankings and the recruiting business is now that there's so much more tape uh, and huddle and and all these camps where they actually play against each other and, and it's a little age, you know, you're playing good on good. You got a better feel for is this kid really good or is he just playing somebody that frankly isn't that athletically talented? Yeah, we I've talked to a lot of guys. I, I think it's the rankings are a lot better, mainly because if all three of us go out to one of these camps and we all say, oh, that kid's really good. The odds of us missing on that player, if all three of us agree, hey, this kid's a stud, that the odds are he's probably you're not going to miss. Where 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you didn't you you go to a combine, a camp, a summer camp. There's 50 eyeballs now on all these kids. So if all these networks are basically looking at these players, the odds are if we all agree, hey, A, B and C are really, really good. We're probably not going to miss on those players. All right, Fish, everybody knows FSU is going to have a good class. What's the one kid that if we were saying to you, what's the one guy that Fish has seen that Florida State is going to get that is under the radar and is probably going to be a superstar? He's just going to take a little while. Who's your nominee? Um, I really like the one kid is B.J. Gibson, um, the kid from Wilcox County in Georgia. I'm going to go back. He reminds me a lot of Preston Parker. Um I'm I'm sure you guys remember Preston. Preston, uh, in the Maryland game, the FSU had no running backs. They they were able to put him in the Maryland game at running back, and he rushed for over 100 yards. I think BJ's one of those players that can play anywhere on the field. Uh, I really love his film. I think he's very undervalued. Uh, he's a three-star on these networks. But you turn on the film, he's always catching touchdowns. He's always running touchdowns. If he's on defense, he's intercepting the ball and scoring touchdowns. I just think he's a very good athlete. And you can never have enough of those guys. You bring these guys in that are athletes. You basically say, hey, listen, come on campus and we'll figure it out once they're on campus. And you've seen it so many times. You know, Warwick Dunn, I think he was recruited as a DB. There's other guys that they've recruited, uh, whether we talked about Xavier Rhodes before that played wide receiver in high school and you moved to corner. If you got a guy that could play multiple positions, they're a lot less likely to bust. I'm going to preface this next one. And uh, I, I don't. You know, this this is not a recruiting show per se. So Keith and I aren't watching all the huddles. But uh, when I'm down on the field, obviously, when they bring kids in for visits, you know, they're all down there. They got their lanyards and their names on them. And uh, I forget what game it was, but I was walking. It was before the game. And I, I looked up because I, I this former I thought it was a former player was back. And I, I was like, God, he looks familiar. But who is he? I mean, he was well put together, looked mature. And then I looked at his his lanyard and it said Cam Davis who's this running back they're bringing in. 
And and I if I would have sworn the kid was 24, but I guess he's 17 or whatever. What have you seen from him? He just he looked thick. He looked yeah, mature I, for a high school kid. He's a grown man. I mean, honestly, that's I've always said the guys that your wife can pick out are the ones that belong at Florida State. He's the one that honestly your wife can pick out of a, a lineup and go, man, that kid's that kid's a, a power five looking player I mean he he's big physical and like you said I remember one time I went in the locker room at Florida State and they had kids you know that were they were recruiting and this one kid he ended up going Alabama I'm like sir uh you know which one's your son and he goes excuse me and he goes I'm a recruit I'm like you gotta be kidding like these guys look so much bigger now um, and they are, they, he looks like a grown man. You would never know that he was 17, 18 years old. And he, if you ever speak to him, he's a great kid. I mean, he's really very respectful and he's the type of kid you want uh, in your program. As we, as we wrap up fish, uh, you know, Florida state, I was looking at the rankings and under Norvell, they finished around 20th in the high school, moved up to 16. And this is going to be a top five class. It appears for future years, are they are they positioned to do similar? I mean, is this kind of here to stay with what what Norvell is doing right now? Yeah, I I think Florida State. No, listen. It, once you have that logo on your shirt, it puts you at the front of the line. I've always said Florida State's going to have a shot to land any big time kid they want because the program, the history of the program, and everything they've done. He's made it cool to go to Florida State, uh, Coach Norvell, and these kids. I think they're going to continue to have the same success. If kids come and they develop them and those kids don't get in trouble and they graduate and you constantly hear about the culture and the family atmosphere, I don't see why they shouldn't have the same success. I just, I, like I said, I, it, I think it's an easy sell for them and he's given these kids a reason and their parents a reason to go to that school. All right. Sounds good. We appreciate your, your insight and your expertise to uh, bring us dummies up to speed on it. Uh, Charles, <laughs> appreciate good. what you do. Not a problem, man. Thanks again. Thanks, Fish. All right, we'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. On Front Row Knowles, uh... She's got a memory. I, I, I have trouble remembering last week, let alone what the high school tape looked like. For uh, I guess, I guess in the case of Randy Moss and Devin Hester, I might remember that video. Those those were pretty elite talents. <coughs> Pardon me. And we had Devin on what two three uh, months ago. Uh, yeah, he he was he was all that and then some. Uh, and Moss goes by uh, by the way. And, and for our younger listeners that may not remember, I'll just remind you. Uh, that one time, Randy Moss was enrolled at Florida State and participated in spring ball. And if yeah, he had made bring... it, if he'd have made it, your your three receivers would have been Randy Moss and Lavernius Coles, and uh, what was that little kid from from Georgia that uh, had a little bit of success at the uh, at the college level? Uh, uh, Peter Warwick, I think his name was. I mean, can you imagine Winky with those three? Some some good names right there. Peter Warwick's uh, son is on this FSU team, by the he way. He is. He is. I was just looking. At, I was looking at last year's transfer portal class, and the first name that came up was Peter Warwick, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Oh yeah, he is on the team." Peter Warwick. Um, 
Let, let's move off recruiting here for a little bit, folks. Um, pre- appreciate the insight that that uh, Fish lent to us there. Let's talk motivation, Keith. The the team was back on the field on Tuesday, and uh, Mike Norvell was pretty candid when asked about uh, this is the first time the media's had a chance to talk to him since the playoff snub. He, he met the media that day, but it was part of an Orange Bowl press conference, so he wanted to keep it focused on the Orange Bowl, and, and that's good for him for doing that. And I'm sure he didn't want to revisit this, but this is the first time he met the media, and uh, so he was asked about it. And, and candidly, he said this has been the most challenging two weeks he's had in his coaching career. That's a pretty strong statement for a guy who's been a coach for a pretty long time. I know he's young, but I mean, this is his career and his livelihood. Well, you've got a team that um, was disappointed, as you mentioned, we'll just call it the snub. Then you got the transfer portal and, and, and prospects of the NFL. And we won't rehash that, but you know, a number of Florida state stars are not going to participate in the bowl. Um, Candidly, a couple of kids, in my opinion, that should participate in the bowl are declaring for the draft and opting out. Uh, we'll we'll cover that in another session all down the road. But, you know, you're, you're going to have about 300 kids that declare early and about 50 of them are going to get drafted, maybe 40, and only about 50 more of them are going to sign. So you got about a 33% chance of declaring early and making the NFL uh, statistically. Um, you just look at FSU. I mean, who, who's going to run the ball against Georgia? you got three of your running backs that are either portal or NFL bound. Um, so yeah, as a coach, you're sitting around going, wait a minute. I mean, we, we, the coaching staff invested in these kids and this is old school, but we're getting ready for a a new year's Bay bowl and they're, and they're abandoning us. Whatever happened to loyalty, whatever happened to team, whatever happened to family. Now I get it. They can look over there and see Jordan and, and he's, he's still got his leg in a cast. And, and there's issues there, but I can feel, I've never been a head coach at the college level, but I can feel and empathize with the frustration and the pain that I heard in Mike Norvell's voice and candidly, the other assistant coaches. This is a very trying time for a number of reasons for this staff. Yeah. You got to bring the the team around to, to fight, to go 14 and 0. And I can't, I can't fault the players for their decisions. I mean, coaches have been bailing on teams for years to go get a check. So if the players think that's what's their in their best interest, I mean, I get it. It's uh, you know, I don't know how many days we are into the bowl season, right? It started Saturday. So I guess there's been, I don't even know how many bowl games have been played. I haven't watched one of them. I, I honestly, I've not had interest in, in tuning back which, which in. is I, a sad, which is a sad commentary on the bowl system. Is it not? Yeah. It is. Well, and, I, you know, in the Orange Bowl, now this will change. Well, it's actually a four o'clock kick. Keith, do you ever remember a day game never. for the Orange Bowl? You've mentioned that in the past. Never, never. In fact, it was always it, a late kick. It was eight or eight thirty, you know, as yeah, opposed to I, seven. I think in the in the in the 12 team playoff, I think the Orange Bowl is an annual semifinal. So I think it'll go back to a night game on, on New Year's Day or whatever, probably after the Rose Bowl. I don't know. I haven't even looked at who's doing that. Well, the Sugar Bowl's got to be involved too. So I don't know who's – I don't know of what I speak, so I'll withdraw that statement. I just don't remember a day game for the Orange Bowl. Uh, it is – It is. It, it's a shame. Now, I think FSU is going to put up a heck of a fight no matter who's out there, and I have no idea who's going to be out there. I, I was thinking about this. We talk about the 19-game winning streak, Keith. If you do the math since they started 0-4 – uh, they finished that year five and three. Then they went ten and three last year, right? So that's fifteen and six. 
plus so they're 28 and 6 in their last 34 games and and those six losses it's not like they got worked i mean i don't remember all of them for 2021 i think nc state beat them by two touchdowns but 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 last year it was a 10 point loss to wake a 6 point loss to clemson and a 3 point loss to florida so right I mean, this team is going to find a way to be in it is what it feels like to me. Now, I know they're missing the guys you mentioned and probably their receivers and tight ends and quarterback and, and most of their skill players, you know, the way it shakes out. We'll see. Well, and Georgia's missing some kids, too. I mean, we, we, we're we not going to research that because we're not Georgia show or Georgia fans. Um, <laughs> pardon me. So, you know, the other part of it, Tommy, is is it becomes a stage, a national stage for some of these younger kids. Yeah. And, and, and if you've got the talent or the, the football players and fish talked about, you know, you got five and four star talent and then you got the three star kids that, that fly under the radar. It's an opportunity for somebody to make a name for themselves. And if that's not motivation, I don't know what is. You know what I was thinking, and, and we can wrap up the last couple of minutes on this, Keith, for all the talk about, you know, Norvell and FSU are only doing it in the portal. They're not developing guys. When I was looking back at signing classes, I'm thinking, think of some of these young names that that have a chance here. In the 21 class, Destin Hill, Pat Payton, Byron Turner, Kevin Knowles, Shaheem Brown, and Josh Farmer. Okay, so those are those are not transfers. They all in the 22 class, you got Aiden Thomas, Omar Graham, Keziah Holmes, who might be toting the football, Demetri Emanuel. Uh, some of these other guys, I don't know if they're playing or not, but Tatum Bethune, Greedy Vance, and Deuce Span. And then you got most of last year's true freshmen are are still here. So those are all homegrown guys, not portal guys, that are going to have to try and get the job done for Florida State. And, and as repeating myself, an opportunity on a national stage not to get in the ball game at the end of the second quarter or halfway through the third quarter, but maybe to start or at least be in the starting rotation. So not not 20 snaps, not 30 snaps, but maybe 40 or 50 snaps. And, you know, again, if, if that is not motivation for you, I, I don't understand why you're playing football. Because the, the opportunity to play is the motivator. Because if you're fair to yourself, you understand your chance of making it to the NFL, you know, is not good. It's just not. I'm sorry. You can come in thinking you're the greatest, but it's not going to happen. So the motivation to play, the motivation to perform has got to be an underlying and girding thing. And I think Coach Norvell and his staff does a great job in various ways of of stressing that. And come December 30th at 4 o'clock, you've got a couple of handful of kids that have an opportunity to make a name for themselves real quick. Amen, Keith. We are out of time. Merry Christmas to you and yours, and uh, we'll catch up again next week and talk a little bit more about this Orange Bowl. Same to you and your family, Tommy, and Merry Christmas, and happy holidays to all our listeners. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.